Welcome back, bass players and musicians of the world at large. You are listening to episode number 27 of the Better Bass Podcast. My name is Wyatt Walker Ware. First up, a little bit of housekeeping. You may notice that this episode is coming out on an odd day of the week. It's Thursday. I am going to be trying something new with the upload schedule of the podcast here. I think the three episodes per week pace that I've been keeping up the last couple of months, while it is realistic, and I can do it, and I've proven to myself that I can do it. It's really, um, it's not healthy for the podcast, I don't think. And I've kind of forced myself to put out a few episodes, forced myself to talk into the mic and to create content. And I'm not satisfied with the output. Kind of felt like drivel, kind of felt like rambling into the microphone without a without a whole lot of point to it, without a whole lot of inspiration behind it. And that's the last thing I want to be doing. So I'm going to strive for a quality over quantity approach here. I'm going to put out at least one episode per week, try to go for two when I can, and I'm going to keep them on the longer side as well to make up for the uh, to make up for the more sparse schedule. I'm going to try to keep these on the 25 minute end of the spectrum, on the longer end of the spectrum of what I've been putting out so far. I would like to be cracking half an hour an episode. Eventually, I just am not quite practiced enough at at talking that much yet. So we'll see how what the future holds for the podcast. We'll see how this stuff goes. And I'm going to approach it that way for the time being. Topic of the day for the podcast, improving your time without using a metronome. This is something I've been thinking about quite a bit. Having a very independent sense of time. And this is something I read from Chick Korea. I wish I had the exact quote pulled up in front of me, but I just thought of this now as I'm as I'm playing this, as I'm setting up this podcast, that Chick never recommended use of a metronome. He recommended recording yourself and listening to yourself and finding areas where you can improve your time and improve your rhythm. And that's a huge part of my own approach. That's a huge part of my own approach to this, but In order to do that, you have to have feedback, but you also have to have a solution. When you hear, okay, I listened to myself, I was playing this groove, and I dragged a few notes. I dragged a few notes at the end of a bar at the end of a phrase. Or I rushed this series of upbeats that I tried to play. I tried to play one and 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 one and rushed it and didn't play that all the way through. I need to turn that shimmer reverb off if I'm going to play the bass like a bass. Rushing those upbeats, okay, well, what's your solution? What are you going to do about it? Is it just going to be this one specific detail that you're going to play? Over and over again until it feels good? Or are you going to get more specific about this? Are you going to find a solution that's going to be a little more generalized that can improve other areas of your time as well. And the idea that I've been putting into practice is just the simplest thing ever, is playing grooves unaccompanied, playing grooves by myself, just tapping my foot 
just using my body to count and using my body to keep time. I know I have a pretty killer sense of internal time. I've spent enough time with a metronome and enough time with drum loops and with good drummers and with really groovy, really slapping tracks that I've got a pretty good internal sense of where a quarter note should be when it's steady. So why not leverage that? Why not use your body to keep the time when you're playing? I was doing this earlier with some some sort of Latin jazz type grooves I was working on. That was playing it without tapping my foot, and it might not be super noticeable right now, but the thing that I've been hearing in feedback in recordings is that I rush those long notes. Those long notes don't stay long enough and I rush into the next downbeat, so... Those longest notes, this... This third note doesn't stay there long enough, I don't give it its full value, and I end up rushing into the next downbeat. So solution, tap my foot. Treat my foot like the metronome, my right foot. I don't know if you can hear this, I don't know if this comes through the microphone at all, it probably doesn't, but when I am tapping my foot, sounds a hell of a lot groovier. I'm actually able to keep the quarter note the same through that entire passage. I'm able to keep everything in the same spot, not move the beat around randomly. And when you're accompanying somebody, that is just incredibly important, right? It can feel good, and you can be playing with a great sound, but if you don't keep the quarter note the same, if you don't keep the quarter note in the same spot through the thing, you're not going to end up agreeing with whoever you're playing behind. You're just straight up rushing at that point. So. That's something to consider. The other thing that I've been working on is playing with loops. I've been working on my looping a lot, trying to put together a solo show. I think I mentioned that on the podcast before. And also just using the looper as a practice tool like I have. Came up with this Came up with this chord progression today and put a very, very simple groove on it. And been thinking about a few different ways to play time in a soloing context, in context of playing... Uh, playing against something, playing against a drummer, playing against a track. Here's the loop. Pretty diatonic chord progression in the key of G minor. Been liking the key of G minor today. There's a few ways to do this. Number one is to just play in the exact same subdivision as the rhythm section or the loop or the track or whatever you're playing against. So for this, that would be a swung 16th type thing. If you listen to this loop, 
there's a swing to the 16th notes. So if you play that way, if you play your lines really, really on with the track, you get this. To me, I associate that with bass players like uh, like Hadrian Farad. Really solos like that, really plays a really precise subdivision, and it feels good. It feels good all the time. You're never going to go wrong playing that way. I am not of the opinion that that sounds stiff or lacks emotion or anything to that effect. I think you can really leverage the dynamic control and the accents to get expression out of this type of feel. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It sounds great. I prefer to have some flexibility. I want to be able to do multiple things with this. I want to be able to play the time in different ways and push and pull. This is something that I don't hear explained very well often. You can take the approach of playing a different subdivision. I'm not talking about playing triplets versus eighth notes or anything like that. You can take the approach of playing a straighter subdivision against a swung groove or a more swung subdivision against a straighter groove. In this case, since this is pretty heavily swung in the 16ths already, I'm just going to play straight eighth notes and stay on the beat. Pleasant, very melodic sound. You can get uh, a really nice legato tone playing like this. That feels really, really good to me. It's a very Chick Corea type sound. Very much sounds like that. Chick will play a lot of very, very straight eighth notes against a swung groove. And you can get expression out of this, again, with the dynamic control, but also with with grace notes and with changing subdivisions and things. I'm not feeling as many triplets in here as I was in the swung subdivision because it's not triplet based. You can definitely get 16ths. I'm going to see if I can get through that on a technical level. Uh, nope, my chops are not there right now. I've not warmed up enough today. Yeah, I'm forcing that a little bit, but you get the concept. Change the subdivision around, use the accents, use your dynamic control. You can even get this Pat Metheny thing if you really phrase the dynamics really crescendo and decrescendo a lot. Mm-hmm. 
I do not do a very good Pat Metheny impression, but if you listen to Pat play, and he said this in interviews also, but just from listening to his guitar playing, every note, one note to the next, is pretty much always at a different dynamic. That's why he's so expressive. That's why his playing is so expressive in that way. So that's just playing on the beat. That's just playing exact quarter notes. And there's more. There's more you can do. You can lay back. Play actually playing behind the beat. I did a terrible job of that. Let's give that one more go. definitely an idea to play behind. I find that it's almost more specific to get that to feel good, phrasing-wise. The accents kind of have to be in specific places. The articulation has to be a certain way. I find myself playing a lot of spaced-out short notes, especially the more behind I get when I start playing... Start playing like that, I almost can end up cycling and playing uh, playing seven eighth notes in four beats instead of eight eighth notes and landing on the downbeat. But also the notes feel good when they're more disconnected that far behind the beat. If I try to play everything connected, it kind of just sounds like I'm dragging and not really doing anything intentional. I also find it just harder to keep the time in general and harder to keep my own subdivision in the same spot when I'm playing like that. So, shorter notes behind the beat is really interesting. And if you were to combine these things, if you were to combine these things, you can kind of create a natural progression of articulation from really in the middle, really on top of the beat with the super legato straight thing to playing more behind, laying back into the next phrase.
You get the idea there. You can also combine that with the earlier concept. You can go from really swung eighth notes to really straight eighth notes. then lay back. Go from one extreme to the other, super swung, super inside, all the way to super laid back and super straight. Let's try that. really good, right? Creates nice phrases. And I'm just experimenting here. I'm not really... I'm not going to say that I'm not trying to make music out of this, because I absolutely am. I'm absolutely trying to be as musical as possible. But I'm not really, like, constructing a solo here. I'm just practicing. I'm just practicing and experimenting with this phrasing. And I think... By the time I spend several more hours doing this in various groove contexts, probably using a drum loop, probably not just using my own loops with this percussive thing, I'm going to have a much better sense of time with this and a much better control over it. I haven't really actively practiced this sort of abstract time feel concept in a very, very long time, but it's something that's made its way into my routine now. And it's something that's serving me very, very well so far. And trying to get that independent sense of time, that independent sense of feel without leaning on a metronome, it really does a service to that. It really does a strong service to that. And something that I'm thinking of now, just an additional idea that I'd like to get into as I'm practicing this, is thinking about playing more melodic ideas like this. I'm playing a lot of, you know, a lot of lines, a lot of linear stuff. Oh, it would help if I uh, turned the bass on. That'd be good. A lot of that, a lot of notes, a lot of dense linear things, but what if I were able to play... able to play good melodies like that long note oriented things expression oriented things and be really deliberate about that time feel and how i'm phrasing it where i'm back phrasing where i'm playing on the beat where i'm playing a super straight or super swung subdivision where i'm playing with or against the drummer or the percussion that i'm playing along with 
what if I could get to that point? That's going to be a thought for my practice this week for sure. Maybe that's going to be a thought for your practice this week too. That's a really nice idea. Really nice idea that I hadn't even uh, hadn't even considered before. But guess what? That's the that's the better base podcast. That's that's how I try to get inspired. I try to inspire myself here as much as I can. Have that come from the internal side and the active part of the process as much as it comes from the the external side and the listening and the passive part. Learning to express myself, learning to be a musician that's more true to me and how I want to play and what I want to do. So that's improving time without a metronome. That's some ideas. I hope that gives you some inspiration to uh, inspiration to practice some different ways. And if you haven't ever tried it before, if you haven't ever played this way before and really done it actively, I'm sure you've done it passively a time or two, but just tap your foot. Just play, play a groove, tap your foot and see where that takes you. See where you notice where your foot deviates from your fingers and what your hands are playing. And you might surprise yourself. I've certainly surprised myself that way. I've certainly surprised myself at how much I can rush a downbeat here or there. And then work on laying back. Work on playing in the subdivision. Work on playing against the subdivision. Combine all three. Make phrases. Make rhythmic phrases. Make good ideas. And... Soon you'll be uh, you'll be phrasing like Larry Goldings, right? That's probably it. That's that's definitely a prime example of a really deep sense of time and a really deep sense of ways to phrase rhythmically. Larry Goldings, lots of organ players really are like that. Jimmy Smith, absolutely, because um, I think organ kind of necessitates that when you're playing all of these really strong downbeats with your left hand and you've got to keep this super steady quarter note. You kind of have to study the feel. You kind of have to study the feel and the way that your hands interact with each other. So maybe there's something about organ playing that uh, that necessitates that, that necessitates a really, really deep understanding of how subdivisions interact and how to lay back and how to do that. That's an interesting thought, but tangents aside, for those of you who are curious, the uh, the bass sound has been changing a lot the last few episodes of the podcast, and that's because I've been doing a ton of sonic experimentation. I've got some new gear. I've got the Line 6 Helix Stomp, the HX Stomp XL in the signal chain here. Today, I've been playing with a compressor. I've been playing with a compressor all day, the whole episode. You might think of a compressor as something that restricts dynamic range, but I almost feel like I have more, which is obviously not true. It's not true with this with, with with this compressor. It is technically restricting dynamic range, but I still have But what I feel like it allows me to do is dig in more and play harder. not lose tone. Because if I play without the compressor, it's going to be a little quieter, but I'm going to shut this off. The compressor does boost my signal a little bit. I don't have it perfectly balanced, but if I pluck that hard... It's kind of an overwhelming sound. 
I think, besides just being loud, if I were to turn my volume knob down. And play that hard. I just don't think that sounds that good, especially in an accompaniment context. That's just so overwhelming and feels very unbalanced. But with the compressor on, with the compressor on to flatten everything out a little bit, it effectively makes, maybe in this particular passage it's doing something, this way of playing with, with the, the, the broken chords. When I turn the compressor back on and play... It causes, I play these two notes, and then I play this top note, and the bottom notes get out of the way a little bit. This may be hard to hear, but the bottom notes instantly duck to make room for this top note, to make room for this melodic idea. And then if I play quieter, if I don't play that hard... I still have a full range of expression with the instrument. I can still play nice and soft. But when I do play hard, I feel like it increases the top end of my dynamic range a little bit and increases the level of intensity that I can go for. Actually gives me a broader spectrum of useful sounds. So maybe a little bit of a hot take. And if it sounds like crap, feel free to let me know in the context. The context. Ooh, try that again in the comments. I've also got some ambience going here. I've also got some uh, some some reverb and some delay going on here. My DD7 that I usually use, a pedal actually gifted to me by my friend Eric Johnson, a guitarist, gave me this DD7, and it's kind of been my delay sound ever since. The DD7 by itself sounds something like this. Just a few repeats. Really four audible repeats, but more like two or three in, a, in an actual musical context. But I find it adds a lot to the sustain of my long notes. Adds a lot to the chords as well. If I play the chords without the delay... totally dry like that. Doesn't have a lot of doesn't have a lot of body to it, but just adding this little tiny bit of delay. Makes it feel like I don't have to do as much. Makes it feel like I don't have to quite fill in every single note, every single subdivision, every beat as much. I can kind of let the delay do its thing. And then the reverb, reverb coming from my Chase Bliss Dark World just adds to that. Woo! 
And it's just a monstrous sound, even just playing playing a, a solo. These long notes, these long notes just sustain so well the sustain with the reverb and delay versus without. So here's without. It's just night and day. It really is a, a total night and day difference to me. And then I've got a second reverb here. I've got this shimmer verb that I was using at the beginning, at the beginning of the podcast that I really like for these kind of these kind of chord melody things. Very subtle. If I were to turn this up, I were to turn up the mix of this shimmer reverb, you can really hear it. There's that octave up sound. Doesn't sound that good to me when it's drowning out like that, but this shimmer verb is almost like a delay that shifts up an octave with a ton of very short repeats, right? And when it's lower in the mix... adds a really, really nice room ambience, I think. A nice high room ambience that complements the sound of the bass really, really well. It doesn't get muddy at all. It sits well with drums. I've tried it with drums. I've tried it uh, tried it with a full rhythm section with a keyboard player and everything. Just really fills out the sonic range. in that kind of context. Start playing really dense. Starts to sound a little noisy and maybe a little awkward. I don't really like playing uh, playing dense solos with the shimmer verb on, but something really sparse, something really sparse and melodic. absolutely beautiful for that in my opinion based on what i've heard so far based on what i've heard so far on the the shows that i've been able to use this on and the practice sessions that i've recorded with this so yeah there's my new sounds there's my new bass sounds for y'all hope you've enjoyed the episode and hey look at that i actually cracked the 30 minute mark on this one like i was looking to do mostly by just nerding out about pedals but you know we're bass players it's what we like to do we're gear nerds inside all of us just a little bit just a little bit everyone who plays bass in the age of the internet is a little bit of a gearhead 
quick uh, Q&A, quick question I got from Mr. JW, longtime listener, longtime friend of the podcast, is, am I playing a five-string bass with a high C string? The answer is yes. I am playing a uh, my Sire V10 setup, E through C tuning. There's my open C string right there, and that allows me to have the range, the range up to high A flat here. That's all I've got for you today. If you're enjoying the show, if you've made it this far, highly, highly recommend you sign up for the email list at betterbase.substack.com. Also, if you would like to leave a comment, I will answer comments. I will answer questions on the show on perhaps the next episode or maybe a couple episodes later, but I will go out of my way to answer every question that gets posted on the Substack. So visit betterbase.substack.com. Sign up for the mailing list. Get every episode delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for supporting the show and coming along with me on this journey as bass players and as musicians. Let's all be better bass players together. Until next time.